Abba Yahweh, thank you again so much for the opportunity to share with the brothers and sisters of whosoever will listen to what I am saying and understand that it is the truth. And that it is your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom that you share with me and allow me into your treasury to share with them. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakritos Aman. So, brothers and sisters, Today is another day, another day that the Lord has made. It's a great day. It's an awesome day. And with the advent, the coming of Jesus Christ is what Mammon has given that title to, the advent, the coming of Christmas. And sadly, there's some people that don't even talk about it as the announcement of the coming of God. They just talk about it as, oh, that's uh, it's almost Christmas. Well, hmm, interesting. So they still, in using the terminology that they do, they don't call it Xmas, at least they call it Christmas, but it's as if they're not acknowledging the truth and reality. It was mammalian design to decide that Christ was born at Christmas time, except that the reason for the season is not because Jesus was born, so we're going to celebrate it at Christmas time, and they decided it all revolves around that. Um, it's that Christ, more Christ, and that he's coming, and he came, he was born, and with us. And it's the beginning of, as I shared the other, uh, the other day, one of the greatest adventures ever, ever. And it's like there was a, a film that was made, and I actually liked the film. It was really great. It was called The Never-Ending Story. We are in The Never-Ending Story, brothers and sisters. If you are a true believer and following of the Lord, Je follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's the only begotten son of the Lord God Almighty, Abba Yahweh, maker of all things, made, and that by their hand all things consist, not just exist, but they consist because part and parcel of their Virtue is in everything that they put together. They hold everything together, brothers and sisters. It wasn't just made and set on a shelf. It wasn't done that way. So, brothers and sisters, we are in the never-ending story. It was a great story, actually. It was a kid's story. And, but it was great because the story continues but the thing that was really interesting about it, and I'm a, I think I'm going to have to go back and research the author and the publisher and all this stuff in this, but it seemed to be a very, uh, almost a biblically, scripturally oriented, although it was the content of the film was not so much so, but you could see that it was in there. But the reason that the world started to deteriorate was because the lack of belief, the lack of faith that the stories were real. And the young man, the way the story goes, he's reading the book and all of a sudden, he's in the story. And of course he's astounded, but as he keeps going and reading, 
and then he falls asleep and he's drawn in and now he's living the reality of the story. And then as the world starts to fall apart and crumble um, and he finds out that the reason that it happens is because of the lack of belief or faith. Brothers and sisters, take a look around. It's exactly what's going on in our world, in our never-ending story. And the reason that our story is never-ending is because if we are true believers of Christ and we don't just claim the name Christian as uh, convenience, but if we are true believers and we believe in Emmanuel, the name that was given by the angel and delivered that you will call him that because that is God with us and God came down in the flesh as Jesus Christ to share the truth and be a sacrificial lamb because the creation that they put together loved so much by Father God and didn't want to do as he did in the day of Noah. He didn't want that. So, brothers and sisters, Emmanuel, God with us. And you know, there's a number of places in the Bible where that is expressed, but we have to have spiritual hearing and sight that as we walk with God and close to God, that we can hear him. And this is how we do hear him and how we see the things that are all around us that are in his majesty. And there will be no excuse when you can say, I didn't know. No, you did know, but you didn't have the spiritual hearing or sight to perceive what was being said or what you were looking at. You just took it for granted. So lean in and hear God speak to you. And all you have to do, it's a really great beginning of a marvelous adventure. Advent, adventure, advent, adventure. One of the greatest that you will ever take part in, ever. Because brothers and sisters, if you lean in to hear the spiritual speech from God and the Holy Spirit, and you hear the Lord talk to you, and you see the things that he is able to do around you and that he does do around you, it is indeed the greatest adventure that you will ever be on. And it's really simple to do, brothers and sisters, so simple, it's amazing. You just pray and accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, have faith in God, and let the Holy Spirit guide you. I will, I do, let's go. And that every bend in the road or every change of direction is intended to be the road. And many times, brothers and sisters, people just blow this all out of proportion and they get all antsy. Oh, and they get so discouraged because they're having to go a different direction. But remember this, that God sees everything before us. He's walked the day before we get here. He's made the day. He knows what it's going to be. And he knows what we are going to do through the day. And he might put a detour in there because he knows that something is coming that might be disruptive to our very lives or on the agenda that he has us on. So he's protecting everything, every delay. You have to have faith in God that the delay is a purpose 
a good purpose and a purpose that is beneficial to us. And here's the important thing. We can see all these things. We can hear all these things. But the catalyst of faith assures me that God is with me and talks with me and tells me that I am his own. And because God is so loving and so full of love that he can tell me that, he can tell any one of you that, and it's not a lie. Because God so loved the world and loves us still. Brothers and sisters, without faith, there is nothing. Example. If you don't have faith in the airline pilot, you don't have faith in those that work on the aircraft, you're not going to have faith enough to walk up that ladder well and get on the plane. You will have fear of flying and you won't go. There are people that are afraid to get on ships and go on a cruise. I think they're beautiful. They're wonderful. Oh my gosh. Absolutely beautiful. Only been on one, but you know what? What an adventure in time that was. And of course, with everything that's going on in these perpetration of this false agenda, making it more and more difficult all the time for people to do anything like this, which is unfortunate. I would have liked to have gone again. But regardless, we are on a great adventure if we walk in faith and not by sight. And God makes his presence known to us during the time that mammon has declared that Christmas time is when we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ and when that comes. But God celebrates with us. And he came down in the flesh as the baby called Emmanuel, God with us is what the name translates to or a translation of it, God with us. And Jesus tried to explain that to the Sanhedrin. Here I am, here's the word, here's the truth. You're of the devil, you're of the devil. You cast out demons in the name of Beelzebub. Uh, excuse me, no, it doesn't work that way because how am I going to cast out the demons in the name of the one that I am supposed to be working for? Uh, doesn't exactly work that way. And they didn't understand it and he tried to share the truth with them and they were so arrogant in their ways and unfortunately, there are those today that practice Phariseeism. They are so arrogant and that they know the scripture better than anyone else except for the Holy Spirit and Lord God Almighty himself, who have decided to sign my degree of authorization and validation from Heaven Set University so I get into this treasure house, this treasure house. Brothers and sisters, I've shared with you the vision that he gave me of this. It is so marvelous and wonderful. I walk up to these huge doors that are just so immense. And there's an angel and he puts in the key and turns and opens the door and I walk in this treasure house is so immense. I can't even see the back 
I look to each side and all I see is glistening, shining. It's so bright. I can't even make out the how wide this is. And looking up, I can't tell how tall it is because of the glistening bright lights and the sparkling gems and the minerals. And I'm able to get my way to a shelf and take off. And I sweep some of this off to share. And then as I'm looking at the shelf right where I just cleaned off a space, bubbling up as an artesian well comes more gems and gold and silver and minerals. And this is how it is in God's house. This is how it is in his blessings that he pours out to us. And when he opens the windows of heaven and pours out his spirit and blessings, brothers and sisters, there's just no stopping it. When he closes a door, there is no opening the door. And when he opens the door, there is no shutting of the same. Brothers and sisters, God is indeed with us through all things. Lean in with the spiritual hearing and the eyesight. And he came down in the flesh. And he tried to share that, but the arrogance of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin dulled their hearing and sealed over their eyesight, which dimmed their vision. So they couldn't possibly bring themselves to believe that the truth that Jesus Christ spoke, that he indeed was the Son of God and he is the Son of God and that he did come down for everyone's sake, but yet not quite getting how he knew so much. Even things that they didn't talk openly about, that he could hear them and he knew them and he revealed them, but yet... The things that he casts out and the demons that he casts out, they tried to say that he was doing it in the devil's name, which is what he tried to explain to them. As he told them, said, that makes no sense. How would I be doing that if I was worshiping the devil and I was coming of the devil? Why would I cast out those very things that he put in? They didn't get it. And he just was showing out the ponderance. Jesus already understood. He was just showing out the ponderance to them. He didn't need to ponder it. He already knew. But brothers and sisters, God came. He came to us. And he comes to us. When he spoke to Moses, he was speaking to Moses. Moses first encountered the angel at the burning bush and people had spoken of it. And when Moses turned this, you'll find this in Exodus 3, by the way. When he turned to see the burning bush, he went over, he was told, he said, God told me, he said, take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. And he made Moses take off his shoes. And when God was talking to him. He had a conversation with Moses. And here's the thing that's really, really vital to me in Exodus 3, 8. And I come down 
to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large un- of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. And now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. That was a conversation. Well, not so much the conversation at that point, but that he was telling Moses, I come down for my people. I hear them. And there are so many people today. Ah, God's not listening. God's not real. God's not there. God doesn't come. God doesn't do this anymore. And there are even those that claim to be the hireling shepherds, but they pervert the word of God. They malign the word of God. Oh, and they try to teach. And they make it a a doctrine, false doctrines. God doesn't do miracles anymore. God doesn't use the gifts of the Spirit anymore because of technology. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's technology. We don't need that anymore. Excuse me. That is the interference of the white noise of the enemy himself, that you individuals have decided to suck up the lies, and now you're trying to perpetrate those lies out on everyone else. Except there's one problem. Nowhere do you find in the Bible, if you're teaching out of the Bible, which obviously you're not because you're teaching that falsehood and those false teachings and doctrines, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is going to stop doing that at a given point in time. And when we read technological advances and we reach those points, that he's going to stop doing that. Because of an age or time, God's just not going to do it anymore. The only time that that is not going to take place anymore is when we attain our place and our goal. And that goal would be in the kingdom of heaven. That we'll be there in spirit, taking part in with Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty and all our loved ones. We're going to be there. So brothers and sisters, anyone that teaches those falsehoods and lies are perverting the word of God. God hears us. He talks to us, he speaks to us, and he does come. He told Moses, I'm here. I hear the cry of my children. I came because I could hear them. And brothers and sisters, in the book of Revelation that he shared with, that Jesus Christ shared with John while he was on the island of Patmos, and he was seen in a vision that God saves our prayers in golden vials. He saves them because he thinks of them as a sweet savor of incense to his nostrils. He loves the prayers that we send up to him. And when we talk to him, and even when we cry out to him, he still is so full of love for us because he's what? He is Abba Yahweh, Father, God of all things made. Not just God, not some distant God on the other side of the stars that we can't see, but he's a real life, tangible God. If you lean in and listen and you have faith, you will see these things and you will hear his voice when he speaks. But nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about the gifts being done away with. Exodus 3.8, and I am come down. Their cry has come unto me. He hears us. 
He hears us. And Exodus 4, 10 through 16 is the conversation that he has with Moses. Now this part is a conversation. Moses is trying his best to get out of the situation because God has called him to go back to Egypt. And Moses is talking with God and saying, hey, you know, I don't speak so good. I've got a lisp. I'm not eloquent in speech. And, you know, this and that and the other thing. And I've got to go do all of these things. But then God responds. He says that I am not eloquent. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, and I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron Levite, thy brother, I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be even, he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. Ha! So Moses' excuse got God a little bit agitated because of all the excuses that he tried to pour out. Well, you know, God, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't, I can't, I can't. Sounds like those that are claiming, claim to be Christians today. Trying to get God agitated. So what he told Moses at that point was that Aaron, because he was eloquent of speech, he's going to go and he's going to speak for him. Moses is going to do the deeds. Aaron's going to do the speaking. But God, through Moses, is going to tell Aaron what to say. That's what God was meaning and translates to when he will be to Aaron instead of God. God's going to tell Moses because God's sent Moses to do that thing. And Moses is going to give those directions to Aaron. God chose to speak to and through Moses. He made his decision. He made his choice. And Moses was trying to dissuade the maker of all things made. The great I am. The I am when Moses asked, who shall I tell the people sent me? You tell them I am sent you. Sounds kind of like someone else I know. Jesus Christ all declared, I am he. When they were talking about the Messiah and the woman at the well talks about the Messiah. He says, I am he. 
I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am, I am, I am. The great I am. The Emmanuel, God with us. He came in flesh to walk amongst us, to know us. The greatest empathetic story that can anyone can ever imagine. He walked amongst us to know and feel what we were feeling. And there are those that think that Jesus was just sort of floating around here before he went through the three years and before he got crucified and that when he was doing his thing, you know, that he just sort of floated above the ground, didn't fall down, didn't get edged, didn't get tired, nothing. Why do you think he laid down in the back of the boat when they got over and they were crossing the Sea of Galilee? He was tired out. He was a man. And yes, he was the only begotten son of God and he was of God and he was part of God. That, but he was down here as a man. Certainly remember, when he came down here, there were some virtues that were left behind when he stepped off the throne and put his crown down to come down here and live amongst men. He got tired out. He laid down in the back of the boat. And of course, the disciples went bonkers because it got stormy on the Sea of Galilee. That happens quite frequently. Storms just sort of show up because of the lay of the land, and it got pretty toss and turn and the disciples got all crazy and they what did they do they started to be a bit condemning of Emmanuel God with us Jesus Christ was sleeping how can he sleep at a time like this we're going to be destroyed we're going to be killed he could sleep because he was comfortable in what he was or what he is and that they were safe with him but they were not comfortable with their safety with him. Brothers and sisters, is that not what goes on with us in our own lives and walk? We become uncomfortable in it. We try to change it. and We try to make it something that it is not. And brothers and sisters, this is what I shared with you the other day about standing on that firm foundation. There's some old hymns that really are great to that, and they speak to Jesus Christ being the foundation, the firm foundation, but our faith has to be there. If we have no faith, we're just going to keep sliding off that rock. It's going to be a domed rock, and it's going to be slippery. If anybody has ever climbed sandstone before, it's kind of slick when you try to go up, especially when the side is steep and you have no handhold. Faith is our stepping blocks and it's our handhold so that we can get on that rock. But you have to have faith, brothers and sisters. That is a catalyst that holds the foundation together. It is what allows us to climb and stand on that rock. That rock, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, faith gets us there, brothers and sisters. Faith is the catalyst. And the song spoke of Jesus is a rock in a dreary land, a dreary land. Jesus is the rock on which I stand. Hold on, but faith to do so, brothers and sisters, faith to do so. 
And this is something that that uh, people get confused about when Moses pounded out that serpent. They immediately start, and even there are those who claim to be Christians today that get to tossing that around they can't get and that's a oh he built a false idol and this and that why you know god did it had nothing to do with the image of the serpent but rather on their faith and listening to the words that god decreed it's like this thing i've shared with you before i have this thing around my neck it's called a trikeel and if you look at it there are three parts that are intertwined together it makes one piece but they're intertwined. And if you look closely at it, it's three separate parts, but they're all intertwined. This is part of that Spirit of God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three of them intertwined into one. And I've had people tell me, well, that's a pagan symbol. What are you practicing witchcraft too? How can you this and how can you that? And I just look at them and say, excuse me, it's called a trikeel, and it has nothing to do with witchcraft. For me, this is a symbol of my Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You notice how the three parts are intertwined? You know that God, our Father and Creator, and then Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, and the Holy Spirit are all intertwined. You do realize that, right? It's called the triune spirit. And then they're like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I see that now. I see that now. But immediately they were offended. Why? Because they were looking for something to be offended at. Brothers and sisters, that's how it is in the world today. And I share it with you often. They who seek offense shall find offense. They shall surely find offense. And here's the other thing, too, that we have to remember, that nowhere, absolutely nowhere, no place, no way, no how in the Bible is it said that in our acceptance of Christ Jesus and going on this great adventure with him, that do all the problems in our life miraculously go away. They don't. They don't go away. But what we have to know is that Emmanuel, God with us, walks with me talks with me, guides me into the Holy Spirit, leads me in the way of truth, the way and the life, the righteousness, and trying to share the bread of life, which is the word of God, the Bible. Okay? That is all there. Our problems don't miraculously go away. We need to acknowledge to God. He does know all things. He sees all things. But he doesn't just snap his fingers and wave his hand and everything miraculously goes away and it's all abracadabra. It doesn't work that way. He is our good father, and he wants us to come and acknowledge him. So the story that was shared with me, and I, I might not get it right, but this was a very cool, one of my favorite teachers. Love this man's teaching. So you got this kid, and he wants to go out, and he wants to go spend a night out with his friend. And he says, okay, So, but the father knows about this particular party house that's going on, and he says, okay, but I don't want you to go over to such and such because there's not good things going on there. And I just want you to be safe. Okay, Dad. Okay. But then he decides to go over there because he finds out that everybody he goes to school with is over there. So that's where he wants to go. And he does. He disobeyed his father. 
Well, dad gets a phone call and says, you know what? I saw Robert at the party over here at such and such. Okay. And dad is a police officer, not on duty this night. So anyway, son comes in late. Dad's sitting up waiting for him. And he says, well, where'd you go? So I went bowling with some friends. Well, how'd you do? He goes, oh, I did pretty good. What'd you shoot? And the conversation ensues. So the question is, my teacher was sharing, my pastor was sharing. Are you upset with the fact that he disobeyed and he went? Or that he lied about it? Which one is more upsetting? If he had gone and he says, you know what, Dad? Father, Abba Yahweh, I went. Didn't enjoy myself much. And I just went because my friends were there. I'm sorry. Okay, son, I forgive you. I just wish you hadn't gone. Or continuing the ruse and, that he conti- and just continually lies and, and then... There's no clearing of the air. There's no nothing. He, the kid doesn't talk to dad. And then dad gets agitated because he knows that his son lied. He knows it. And the son becomes more fearful of even talking about it as the time goes on because now he's he knows that he's in there and he thinks that this is roiling up in his father's attitude and dad's going to explode on him if he confesses it. So which is worse, that you confess and acknowledge the fact that you fell down and you tripped and you apologize and confess that to Abba Yahweh, who is Adonai all-sovereign and he's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. So he's with us all the time. He sees it and everything. But yet, are you going to lie to him and say that nothing happened or you didn't do it or try to hide it because he already knows and he's aware of it? And guess what? When you apologize, repent, and say, I'm sorry, I've shared this with you already. He's going to grab you. He's going to give you in this huge God bear hug. It's going to feel like your bones are being crushed. He's going to push you back to arm distance. He's going to look you right in the eye, and he goes, I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. And then he's going to pull you in again, and he's going to give you a God kiss and a smile and send you on your way. That's the God I know. And the enemy wants me to forget that. He wants me to listen to that white noise interference and try to hide things from God as he does with all of us. He tries to convince us that we can do it. Well, no, you can't. See, Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He can't. That's why he has minions doing his bidding because he can't be as he was when he was in heaven. Because here's the thing. Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, fear, the accuser, whatever you want to call him, however you want to call him, he's got a multitude of names that are all full of condemnation and blame. He is not any of the heavenly attributes that he had at one time. He can't. It was taken away from him. Everything has been taken away. And what does occur is because 
his minions are out there telling him what's going on, reporting back to him, and they're doing what he wants them to do. And listening to that white noise interference, they got to go back and say, hey, it's working. We got this. We did that. And it worked. But God is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and always present. He is with us. And that we have to remember that God has given us promises. And due to, and it starts way back. There's places throughout the Bible where he talks about this. And that God is our strength. And he knows that we struggle. He knows that there are problems that we're doing. He knows. But when we fail to go to God, acknowledge the issues, what we're doing is we're self-centering ourselves. We're placing ourselves there. And that is diminishing God and putting ourselves out in front of God. I don't need to tell God, I got this. I can handle it. I'm going to do it myself. Well, no. See, that's the thing that the enemy wants you to do. That's the white noise interference, and he wants you to believe that you can do it on your own. Trust me when I tell you, brothers and sisters, I have learned this through walking and attempts to do it on my own. You're not going to make it because it can't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. He wants us to think we are, and then we fail miserably. And then what happens? Then the enemy starts with the self-condemnation, berating, belittling, and and starts just putting all of that on you. And then you're sitting there going, oh, I can't go to church Sunday. How am I going to pray to God? I just did this. I did that. And I can't go. to God already knows. He just wants you to come and say, I'm sorry. And he will forgive you. He will. And he does all the times, all the time. And... Brother and sister, we have to just remember that that does happen all the time. That God is with us and he will take care of us and he does believe in us. and He has more faith in us than we have not. So in Hebrews 13, 5 through 9, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What have you got to fear? Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. So being satisfied with what they're saying and not sharing the truth and the grace of, and of God and not being true leaders, like I share with you, those that pervert the word of God and try to take things out of context and they don't say them as they should be, John three sixteen and all that. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then those perverts try to twist around and say, God's going to send you to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. You better believe in Jesus because if you don't, you're going to hell. God's going to condemn you and put you there. Well, no, it doesn't exactly work that way. He would prefer that you believe in Jesus Christ, but you also have a choice. You are given a free will choice. If you choose not to believe, then you have condemned yourself and you have separated yourself from God. But if you confess and you come back and say, Father, I'm sorry you made me and I was following this thing in the world. I know you saw me. I'm sorry. Here comes that God bear hug squeezing you so tight that you feel like your bones are going to turn to powder. And then he pushes you back. He kisses you, looks you right in the eye and gives you that God smile and says, I forgive you. It's okay. I forgive you. He will and he does. So the promise of God that goes all the way back into Deuteronomy 31.8. God will not leave nor forsake you. He goes before you. He goes behind you. He's with you always behind. In Joshua 1.9 and then in Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah 41.10, he talks about, I will not leave you nor forsake you. In Psalm 27.1, he talks about, whom shall I fear? What can man do to me if the Lord God is with me? What can any man do? Nothing. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter. Paul declared that. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. That's hard to hard to declare without faith and without belief. So brothers and sisters, having that faith and that counts. Paul had that. And brothers and sisters, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about everything just magically going away and everything is stars and pink moons and green clovers and all that stuff like the lucky charm. It doesn't happen that way. But we do not sorrow as others sorrow. God is with us in our sorrows. You may try to push that aside and be more susceptible to the white noise of the enemy, Satan, his minions, than when you're straight upright and walking with the joy, Lord. But here's the thing. God does not leave us nor forsake us. Jesus Christ will not leave nor forsake us. He declared that himself. Sounding just like his father. I will not leave you nor forsake you. We do not sorrow as others sorrow. God knows that we have sorrows. God knows that we have pains. But he is with us. And we don't have to throw ourselves down in utter despair when we lose a loved one. Pray for them. Pray without ceasing. Continually praying because you're going to see them again. When you cross into the kingdom, when you go through that valley of the shadow of death and you emerge on the other side, we are never alone. Never alone, brothers and sisters. We're always there. I just saw a note, I forgot what it was for, I'm sorry. So I'm going to flip over here and see what this is specifically about. I was writing kind of fast earlier.
pardon my fumbling around here. Uh, it's oh, this is the confessing of the sin. And if you don't do it, this is in uh, Numbers 32 and 23. It says, behold, your sin will find you, which means that God knows about it. You choose to try to hide it out. It's already known. But also know this too, that God does not leave in our stumbling. He stays by our side and he is forgiving. And that it doesn't matter to him as long as we confess and we ask. And we have to also be aware of the fact that God loves us and that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's in 1 John chapter 1. So, brothers and sisters, God already knows, so if you're... <laughs> confess it. And if you try to convince people that you don't, then you're just lying. And we also have to know that God, and that we love because God first loved us. Without his love in us, we really wouldn't be able to do that. And it's very important, brothers and sisters, that we do share and believe in that thing, that love that God shared with us. And 1 John 4.10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the payment, the recompense. We sinned, we blew it, we made a mess, and Jesus Christ came down to take that care of that. He came down and paid for it. How did he pay for it? Because he laid down his life for us so that we may be forgiven and we may spend eternity with him and Lord God Almighty and our loved ones that will be in that spiritual realm, the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ in that kingdom. That is in the scripture, that is in the word, and that is the truth. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. Be encouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be fearful and don't fret. God is with us. He loves us. And he promises that. Be blessed. I pray for you. I'm going out. I'm coming in every day, brothers and sisters.